welcome. My name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Judges. The Old Testament passage of Judges and chapter number 14. We are winding down our series of the period of the Judges with the last two Judges. And we're examining the lives of Samson and Samuel. They were contemporaries with each other. That means they both lived at the same time. And oftentimes they're exploits and their happenings affected one another as they both dealt with the common enemy of the Philistines. The Philistines. Remember the Philistines were um, were seafaring peoples that settled on the the west coast of what we would call Israel, the promised land, Canaan land. And they settled five major cities And they became a plague, they became a blight, they warred with Israel every chance they got. And we see that the Philistines have been ruling and have been oppressing the people of Israel for 40 years by the time Samuel and Samson begin to to judge, by the time they begin their ministries, by the time they begin to do their different things. And we see ourselves now as Samson has grown up. Samson has now got to the place where God is moving and he's working to get him to be riled up against the Philistines. So with that in mind, notice with me in the book of Judges chapter number 1. The book of Judges chapter 1, and notice with me starting at verse number 1. Sorry, Judges 14, Judges 14 Judges 14 and verse number 1. The word of God says this. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at the time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father nor his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see a carcass of a lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. 
And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and his mother and gave them and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. So his father went down in, unto the woman and Samson made there a feast and so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it uh, me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if thou cannot declare it unto me, then ye shall give me 30 sheets and 30 change of garments. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater come came forth meat and out of the strong came forth sweetness and they could not in three days expound the riddle and it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire have ye called us to take that we have, is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost hate me and lovest me not. Thou put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother. And shall I tell thee? And she wept before him the seven days, and while their feast lasteth. And it come to pass on the seventh day, he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day, before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Escalon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave the charge of the garments unto him which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark part of the riddle that Samson gave in Judges chapter 14? Judges 14 in verse number 14, notice the part of the riddle which said, Out of the eater cometh forth meat. Out of the eater cometh forth meat. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to use this as a title for Judges 14. Out of the eater cometh forth meat. Out of the eater cometh forth meat. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege to come to you now and to open up your Bible. And as we open this passage up, I'm asking that you would give the folks here a visual. Let them understand what's going on. Let them see with their mind's eye what is occurring here. And that we can also draw a great application from this principle that you give here. And that we can see that you're a God who's always in charge. A God who knows what he's doing. A God, God that we could still get comfort from. Lord, now I am desperate for your presence. I'm desperate for your help. I'm desperate for your strength, for your mind, for your, for your clarity. So the best I know how I give myself to you, my thoughts, my tongue, my mind, my ambitions, my goals, my desires. Lord, you take it all. And that once again, you please fill me with your precious spirit. 
that you could be a blessing to your own folks and that you could get your own work accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Judges, if you haven't figured out, is full of strange stories. If there was an anomaly in the Bible, we would probably say it would be the book of Judges. Because the book of Judges challenges all of our thinking. Do you know that we as, as Bible believers, we get in the place uh, of expecting that A plus B equals C. That you do this and you do this and it equals this. But we have to realize that God doesn't work in our equations. We know that there's principles in the Bibles and the way that he works. But Samson is one of the biggest anomalies of them all. Here he is in this story. He's going to get married to a Gentile lady. And it says God had a plan through that. You know, sometimes we got to realize that even though we, we like our little box and we like to try to put things in, that God is always at work. And that God can use the mistakes of men to get a cop accomplish his glory god can use the evils of man to get accomplish his glory that god is such a great god he can use some of the worst things that ever happened to us to turn it around for his good and for his glory and that's what we see in the life of samson that samson would not be very favorable in most church services i meant here he is, he likes womanizing, he's, he's got these things going on, he's got issues. But yet it's said that God used him in a special way. Now before, we haven't had any problems with Samson. Uh, we saw that he took the vow of the Nazarite, that he was used, God brought him here and here to be used. But now we come to a passage that makes us scratch our head and say, what's going on? It causes us to question a little bit. But remember, we have a God who's in charge. And he knows what's supposed to happen. And he knows how to bring events to, to get accomplished what he wants. So if you don't mind, let's examine this. And let's hit a couple different things within this passage. The first thing I'd like to show you is the roar of the lion. The roar of the lion. Notice with me back in verse number 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistine. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. So he comes in the door one time and says, Mom, Dad, I was just hanging down in the city. And I saw this girl that made my heart thump. Man, I saw her and my heart was thumping. I want to marry that girl. You go ahead and make the arrangements. Now, remember, a lot of times arranged marriages were how things were. That what would happen is that the fathers would get together and say, all right, my son needs to marry your daughter. And uh, let's get a dowry. Let's get a price. You know, I'll let you marry her for 15 chickens and three goats or, you know, whatever it was. So he said, all right, dad, I come home. I like this girl. You go ahead and arrange the things. Let's go ahead and get things set up. You go talk to them. You get the arrangements done. I want to marry that girl. Well, his parents, rightfully so, objected. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Verse number three. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all thy people, that thou goest to take a wife of the circumcised Philistines? They say, Samson, Samson. Isn't there a nice Hebrew girl that you want to go out with? I meant, don't you know, there's a girl down the street. I meant, we've looked at her. For, no, 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 no. 
well, isn't there any girl here that you like? Why do you have to go down to the Philistines? You understand they don't believe like us. They don't serve the same God. And they're trying to rightfully so, at least from our understanding, to tell him, you don't want to go with this girl. But he's pretty adamant about it. Get her, for she pleaseth me well. That's the girl I want, Mom. That's the one I want, Dad. I, you can't talk me out of her. That's the one I have my eyes for. I, I've set forward to. Now, God reveals the side of the curtain here in verse number 4. But his father and his mother knew not it was of the Lord. And he, that's God, sought for an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over the Lord. Now, this is a lot in this verse. It pulls back the curtain and says, God had a plan for it. Now, let me take a quick pause. God's plan for most marriages is for a a husband and a wife to live together, to serve God, to become one flesh, and to live forever and ever until they both die, till death do them part. That is God's plan for most marriages. That's what God designs. And by the way, according to the Bible, especially the book of Corinthians, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. That means uh, it carries an idea that a yoke was something that they would harness animals to to plow the field. And in order for the yoke to work properly, you would put two of the same kind. So you would have two cows or two horses. Because if you put a cow and a horse, what would happen is that they both have different gates and different speeds. And what would happen is that it wouldn't uh, plow the field correctly. You wouldn't have the nice straight rolls. They would be working against each other. There would be friction. They'd be fighting. There'd be uncomfortableness. And so the Bible clearly, without a doubt, for us as New Testament people, as a believer, the Bible says not to marry someone who is not an unbeliever. But it goes beyond that in that passage. It deals with the same idea that if someone wants to go forward for God and the other one doesn't, don't get married to them. That's a Bible command. And that's for the New Testament people for this day. Why? Because how can two walk together unless they be agreed? God desires for marriage for both people to walk up. Now, I understand there sometimes before you get saved, you get married to someone. Does that mean you get divorced to them? No. You move together with what you have and you pray and you work forward to it. But we understand things happen and things go on. But in preventing, in preparing for a marriage, if you are saved and you want to do what's right, you marry someone else who is saved and wants to do what's right. Otherwise, it's unequally yoked. Now, you say, but this passage here says that God had a plan for it. You want to know what this plan was for Samson to be miserable and go murder people? Do you believe that's the New Testament plan for Christians today? No. Okay. So we understand this is an anomaly. This is not an excuse to say, well, I can marry someone unsaved. This is not permission. This is saying that Samson is going to be miserable. Do you think God desires for you to be miserable? No. So, okay. What I'm trying to do is head off excuses. Okay. Can't use this passage to justify marrying someone who's not saved or not right with the Lord. Okay, we understand that. God is going to use this up to stir Samson against the Philistines. Why? Because the Philistines are having dominion and God is going to use Samson to go rip them apart. He is putting them up to overthrow the evil people 
who's got dominion over them. But mom and dad didn't know this. This was a fight. This wasn't just a quick conversation. This is begging and pleading with tears. And they're doing rightfully so. Don't marry her. Please don't marry her. She doesn't believe like you do. She doesn't believe like we do. She's going to drag you away. There was pleading and stuff. And by the way, that's what the parents were supposed to do. To stop them and say, don't get married to him. Don't get married to her if you're unequally yoked. Does that make sense? That's that's the right thing to do. But they didn't realize that God is going to use Samson's broken heart to bring around the delivery of someone else. He's going to use Samson's hurt to bring deliverance. You know, that's a type of thing with someone who wants to be used of God. Sometimes they go through pain and suffering that's unimaginable to be a help to other people. Samson is not a happy man in this story. This is a man who knows pain and suffering and brokenheartedness. And God is going to use it to fuel emotion to free his people. You say, how does that work out? That's something that God knows. This is a major God, amazing God that we have. I'm human and I'm finite. I could explain what the Bible says. But you understand that God sees more than what we see. And he knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing. But they didn't know it was an occasion of the Philistines. So they gave in. Samson's not giving up. So, verse number five. So Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath. Now, what's happening is that they're walking down. All right. Dad, you will make the arrangements. They begged and plead with him. Finally, they saw there was no stopping. So they start walking together to the town of Timnath. As they walked together, they hit a certain vineyard. Um, and verse number five, and Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath. And they came to a vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. His mother and father had been separated from him. Maybe they went to the city. Maybe he took a little detour to allow them to talk. But whatever it is, as they came to the vineyards of Timnath, Samson's by himself and a lion came out and roared. Now, we don't deal with lions. We're here in Wisconsin. You probably wouldn't see a lion unless it was in a zoo. But back then, lions were roaring around and they were deadly killers. And they looked for prey. By the way, what, is a, what does a lion look for? It looks for the sick, it looks for the weak, and it looks for the alone. By the way, the Bible says Satan has a roaring lion. Who does he seek? Those that are weak, those that are sick, and those that are alone. Well, Samson is walking, minding his own business... And a young lion. The Bible says it's a young lion. Why does it say young? Well, because it's a young lion. This is a lion that's full of strength. It's not a baby lion. It is a matured lion who is full of strength, full of vigor, who is full of life. And he is coming. He is hungry. And here is a lone guy by himself. And the lion is going for the purpose of destroying, of devouring Samson. But God had other plans. Verse number six. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, or mightily upon him. Now, this is an important phrase. Some people, when they picture Samson, they see a guy who is built. You could see his abs. You could go ahead and, and uh, wash clothes off that washboard there. I mean, he is built he is the model you can almost see him every time you see him 
posing, you know, like that. Samson is not muscular. He looks like a normal guy. How do I know that? Because if he was full of muscles, they wouldn't later on ask Delilah, tell him the secret of his strength. They would have known it was his muscles. But if he looks human, looks normal, you know, normal arms, normal thing. Now they're saying, where did he get his strength? Where is it at? It baffled them. How does a normal guy have so much strength? What is the secret? The spirit of the Lord came upon him. God's spirit came upon him. And notice this. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he rent. That means tore apart as if he would have rent a kid. Now, this is using a colloquial or a, a, a local expression. Back in the ancient world, to show how strong you were, they would take a goat, a kid, and they would pull his arms off just to show how strong you were. So whenever, you know, you have a couple guys that says, oh, yeah, I'm strong. Well, yeah, we'll prove it. They would take a goat and literally just rip it apart. Uh, we don't do that today. FEMA and PETA and all the other people will probably have a big issue with that. But back then, that's what they did. That's how they showed how strong they were. Well, here it says Samson grabbed a hold of that lion and ripped him apart just like he would in a strength contest. Now, again, this is a healthy lion that's 500 plus pounds. This is a huge beast with a roar that just... Uh, um, that vibrates the bones inside of you. So this lion came out and he roared. Samson was filled with God's spirit. That means it was God that was doing it. It was God's power, not Samson's power. And Samson went up to this lion, grappled and wrestled with him and ripped him apart. Now, some of you may read through this. This is a big deal. If you don't think it's a big deal, go back to the Milwaukee Zoo and you go see a lion and you get as close as you can to it. And you see if in your mind's eye, can you pull that apart? This is a big deal. He's all by himself. He has no weapons. He doesn't have a stun gun. He doesn't have a slingshot. He's caught unawares. He just has his hands. But he gets a hold and he wrestles this lion. This lion jumps up at him. He grabs him and rips him apart. Just leaves him there. He doesn't tell anybody what happened. Now, that's pretty humble, by the way. Most of you, especially you young men, when you be telling everyone, you want to know what just happened to me? I just ripped up this lie. He didn't tell anybody. That's some humbleness not to go brag on what you just did. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he rent him as he would rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. But he told not his father or his mother what he'd done. And he went down and talked with a woman, and she pleaded with Samuel well, Samson well. So what happened, verse 7, is they went down, they talked to the folks. Man, just next verse, they went ahead and arranged marriage. So he went from ripping the lion, all right, let's go ahead and get married. So they went ahead and arranged the marriage. They got the time and the place, and they got all this stuff going. Now in verse number 8... We, we move to the next thing. We saw the roar of the lion. Now we move to the riddle of Samson. To the riddle of Samson. Verse number 8. And after a time, he returned to take her. So they arranged the marriage after a certain number of time. Now it's time for the wedding. So he went down for the wedding. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. So what had happened is that he's walking back. He's getting ready for the wedding. He's... Uh, 
you know, weddings are a little bit different than us, but he's walking down. He says, you know, I don't go see that lion. I remember that lion that one time when I went down to get engaged with her to set up this courtship. And now let's go back and see this lion. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. What had happened is that now it's nothing but bones that are sitting there. The skin has all been devoured. The scavengers have come. You have the carcass of the lion. You can almost see its ribs laying on its side. And inside of it, some honeys or some bees had made a hive there. So he went to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Now, again, here's something he would do that I would never do. He said, hey, look, look at the honeys. Look at the honeycomb. Went in there, bust open the honeycomb, scoops out some honey. Yeah, you can imagine all the bees flying around. They're probably not very happy. I mean, this is a guy who's no fear at all. I wouldn't do it. You probably wouldn't do it either. But just rip open that honeycomb, grab some honey. Yeah, this is good. I'm going to go show mom and dad. Bees probably still chasing him and he's just ignoring them. Verse number nine. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating. So he's going, he's just eating away. And came to his father and mother and gave them, hey, look, here's some honey. I found some honey for you guys. Eat, mom, dad. And they did eat, but he told them not uh, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman. Uh, so his father went down to the woman, and Samson made there a feast. So used the young men to do. So what happened is that they went and did the tradition. They're going to have a wedding feast. Now, most of you, when you got married, you had a wedding reception that lasted an hour or so. Here, the feast lasted seven days or so. A big week-long party celebrating friends and family coming on. We're going to have this wedding. And in the midst of this wedding, verse number 11, and it came to pass when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. So these 30 guys come up to Samson. All right, you're going to be marrying one of our friends. Let's have some talks. And so 30 guys and one Samson, they begin to talk together. And as they're talking, maybe they're talking about how big they are or how brave they are or whatever they, they can. And in the midst of this, verse number 12, Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle to you. And if you could certainly declare it within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I'll give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And if you cannot declare it to me, then ye shall give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. So Samson in the midst of them talking, maybe they're bragging, maybe they're whatever else. He says, all right, I got a riddle for you. And here's the stakes. If I guess, if you guess it before seven days are up, before the feast is up, guess what? I'll give you each your own change of garment. I'll give you all a change of clothes. It's basically saying, hey. If you win the bet, I'll buy you a brand new suit, brand new outfit. All right. But if you can't guess it in seven days, you got it, all, each of you got to buy me a new suit. How about that? So are they going to agree to the terms? The end of verse number 13. Put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. They, they agreed. I said, the handshake, let's go. Here's your riddle. Verse number 14. And he said unto them, out of the eater come forth meat. And out of the strong came forth sweetness, and they could not in three days expound the riddle. So he gives them the riddle. Out of the eater cometh forth meat, and out of the strong cometh forth sweetness. And so they've been thinking about it. They're trying to guess, what is it? What is this strong? What is this sweetness? What is this? Three days, 30 guys couldn't figure it out. Ah, there's got to be a trick. There's got to be something to it. 
So they decide they're going to get desperate and they're going to cheat. Or at least I consider it cheating. Verse number 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that when they went to Samson's wife, they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that what we have? Is it not so? Now, I think that's overboard, but they said, listen here, Samson's wife, I know this is your honeymoon, this is your feast to celebrate your wedding, but listen here, if you don't give us the answer, we're going to kill you and your dad. How about that? Poor girl. I'd never blame the girl. Delilah, later on, she has issues, but this girl here, she just got married. And in the midst of her wedding feast, it's supposed to be all about her. By the way, gentlemen, if you've never figured that out, the wedding's all about her. Good. But here, it's supposed to be her time, her celebration. And she got 30 guys that come and say, listen here, you go get the answer from Samson and tell us, or we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your dad. We're going to burn you both by fire. We're going to get rid of it. Do it or you're dead. And they're serious about it. Poor girl. So what she does is she shows Samson's chink in the armor, which is going to come later on. Verse number 16. And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou didst but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it to me. She goes up to him and says, You hate me. You don't love me. You, you told the people the riddle and you haven't told me the answer. Oh, I thought you loved me. I thought we were supposed to be together. I thought we were supposed to be one flesh. And she starts crying and complaining. Verse number uh, 16 at the end of it. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it to my father nor my mother. Shall I tell it thee? He says, Man, I haven't even told my own mom and dad. This is something between me. But she starts working. Verse 17. And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day he told her because she lay sore upon him. He told the riddle of the children of her people. Now you want to talk about a miserable honeymoon week. She's crying all the time. She's badgering him. And you don't love me. We're supposed to be together. and You don't love me. That's a miserable week. She's crying all the time and badgering him and mulling him over some more. And finally, he can't stand it. And just to get her to be quiet, fine, here's the answer. Just stop. You know, and again, I don't blame the girl that much. She's between a rock and a hard place. But it is exposing something that Samuel's weak for. The ladies complain enough and cry enough, he'll give in. And so... He finally gives in. She tells him. Uh, he tells her the riddle. And she goes and tells the riddle to the children of her people. Verse number 18. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down. What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? By the way, that's the answer. Out of these. <laughs> it says out of the eater cometh forth meat. And out of the strong cometh forth sweetness. So the strong was the lion and sweetness was the honey. That's the answer. Well, notice this. He said, and he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer. By the way, gentlemen, we understand that this is an old Eastern book. It is not wise to call your wife a heifer in today's language. All right. That's not a term of endearment. Gentlemen, if you want to get married one day, do not call her a heifer. It doesn't translate well. You may not get married after that. It just doesn't work. 
But he said, you plowed with my heifer. That's the only reason why you know the answer. You went and talked to my wife. Well, they did. But now notice what happened. And verse 19, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Remember, he just lost the bet. So he has to go get 30 changes of garments. So where does he go? Does he go to Walmart? Does he go to men's warehouse? And the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down to Escalon, which is one of the cities of the Philistines, and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil in charge of the garments, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. So he went down and... um, Saw 30 guys, you, 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 killed 30 of them, stole their clothes, came back, dropped them off and says, here you go. Now, just to show you how crazy my mind is. All right, forgive me, you're going to have to be very patient. I love thinking outside the box. So here's the city of Escalon and they have CSI Escalon coming to a crime scene. (laughs) They have 30 people there. What in the world happened? We got to figure out who done it. Who, where did this come from? What's his motive when all that other stuff later on? They're not going to arrest him. They're just going to be very mad. They're going to stay. After all, he just killed 30 guys with his bare hands. Unless you have a tranquilizer gun, they're not touching him. But, you know, can you just imagine the crime scene that's left over? Most of you probably wouldn't. But that's how my mind thinks. I always want to do the CSIs of the Bible, you know, come to the crime scene and watch them try to figure out and try to investigate. Wouldn't that be a cool series? Anyways, Good. Told you when I get tired, my mind. But here they have. uh, He killed thirty guys. Takes their clothes, drops them off, and said, "Here you go. I there's your thing." Now again, God is using this instrument, using this situation, which is an awful situation, to get his his will accomplished. Samson is going to trade off happiness and a happy ever after. For a broken heart. Don't you think this broke his heart? Especially when you read this last phrase. Uh, But Samson's wife was given to his companion. Whom he had used as his friend. He got married. Had a honeymoon week. And now he got divorced. An unwilling divorce. She went and got married to someone else. Her dad forced her to get married. This is going to come up later. Samson is not a happy guy. He's not seeing rainbows and puppy dogs and clouds. He is broken hearted. This is miserable for him. But God is using this to put more animosity between Samson and the Philistines. Because he's going to use Samson to destroy tons of Philistines. And we're going to see more of this later on as the story progresses. But this is the first outbreak between Samson and the Philistines. And it's going to build up more and more and more. And it's setting up to get the freedom of Israel from the Philistines. But the exchange is Samson's broken heart. Samson's hurting. Samson's pain. Samson's turmoil. To bring across something that will be a benefit to all the children of Israel. So we talked here about the roar of the lion, the riddle of Samson. If you forgive me, I forgot to bring up the idea of the reward of the men. What's the reward of the man? Well, Samson went and (laughs) killed 30 guys and gave him the change of clothes and said, here you go. But the last thing I want to bring up to you really quickly is the reminder from the riddle. The reminder from the riddle. In verse number 14, it said, out of the eater came forth meat and out of the strong came forth sweetness. 
Remember what actually happened. There was a lion that wanted to devour Samson. But instead of being devoured, Samson received a blessing. That was the immediate story. We know that Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And what Satan will do is that he will look for any opening. He'll look for any reason to come and disrupt your life. But you know that God can use even Satan's attacks for his good and for his glory. Remember, Satan is not on equal playing field as God. God is God. It's not a battle between good and evil. God is God. And even Satan has to answer him. And you know that Satan doesn't know the future. Satan is limited. He does not know what's going on. But God is an all-wise God. He can use Satan's attacks to still bring across God's will. That's how great of a God we have. And so here Samson starts off with this lion. And out of the lion he comes forth sweetness. But we learn from this riddle and from what the Bible teaches that there are sometimes that Satan will try to disrupt your life. Sometimes some of the most horrible things that you can imagine can occur to you. But when God is done with it, not only is that that obstacle taken care of, but the sweetness comes. Strength in the Lord comes. When trouble Heartbreak and sorrow that are born from the Spirit of Christ come. It bears Christ-likeness. That when trouble and heartbreak... Do you understand that if we had our choice, we wouldn't have any troubles. We wouldn't have any heartbreaks. We wouldn't have anything bad go wrong. Could you guys agree with that? That if you had your choice, nothing bad would happen to you. It would be puppy dogs and rainbows for the rest of your life. But do you understand that would make us so weak... And so anemic that we would be never trust in God. Do you know that those bad things must occur for us to depend on God? Remember, the strength didn't come from Samson. The strength came from the Lord. That when those heartbreaks and those things occur, when those hiccups happen, when those obstacles come, God allows those things to happen to teach us to depend on God and that we could get his strength and that we could get the sweetness to come out. And we can see this passage happen over and over and over. God does this all the time. If you don't mind, let me turn to one last passage. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. And I know some of you were expecting me to be done. Sorry. Isaiah chapter 42. Actually, Isaiah 45, if you don't mind. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. And if you don't mind, start with me in verse number 1. Isaiah 45 in verse number 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open him up before the two-leaved gates and the gates that shall not be shut. And I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight. And I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in under the bars of iron. And notice this, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness. 
and the hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I eat. I have even called thee by name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, and though thou hast not known me. And he goes on. But he's making a prediction that's going to occur. And what he's doing is telling him that the worst thing that you can imagine happening, I'm going to bring a cross to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And he calls this the treasure's In darkness. If you've never marked that phrase, that is a great phrase to know. The treasures in darkness. We all get the darkness in our path. We all get to the place where it's not that we that we don't think we're going to survive. We don't want to survive. We get to the places where the pressures are so much that we can't go on anymore. That is the time that God uses to teach us that he is our strength. He is our God and that there is none else. And when we come out of there knowing that God is the one who did it, we have the sweetness. We have the strength. It is the best thing that could ever happen to us when God comes through and we're more dependent on him. The treasures in darkness. You know, so often we are pouty people, right? You let some bad thing happen to us and we throw fits. Maybe not a... Walmart kid fit, but sometimes a fit nonetheless. And we complain and we murmur. It's not fair. I'm supposed to go out on a picnic and it's raining. You know, we have fits. But you know, sometimes when things don't work out the way that we think they should, that God is still a great God and he has a plan. We have to look beyond the circumstances and see the God of the circumstances. To see that God is always in control. Think about your life now. Think about the things that are not working out how you imagine. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's health. Can you look beyond those secondary things. And see that there is a God in charge. And by faith believe that he knows what he's doing. Even if it's something that was occasion, like Satan did something. Even if there's consequences. Even if there's something going on. There's a God who is in control. There's treasures in darkness. But the things that happen to us, God has a plan. And when we come out, we shall come forth as gold. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530 6308. Once again, that number is 920. 920- 
1-800-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.